Oscar Poker. One, two, three, four. Baby, you did it wrong. everybody today good how are you so can we start in with a new with a fresh topic uh, can, can i can i get some thinking from you well first of all let's get uh, let's uh, let's establish uh, phil's ground rules what uh phil do you feel uh everybody said that the dark night surged in other words it was seeing it was seen as having uh maybe taking a hit a little bit from aurora and maybe not doing as well as they thought it was going to be but they but I, then i got the feeling that it surged ahead which is uh, is, is that more or less what the headline is or well i mean it, it really depends how you look at it you know the comparisons to the dark knight are inevitable here and it doesn't compare favorably to what dark knight did during its second weekend uh-huh. um Right now, the final number just came in from Warner Brothers. It's uh, 62.1 for its second weekend, which any movie would kill to make $62 million its second weekend. Great number. Um, Dark Knight did $75 million its second weekend. So, you know, it's already pacing behind um, Dark Knight, which isn't very reassuring. My opinion is basically that this is going to be more of a slow burn because of the, the atmosphere that we're, we're in uh-huh. right now. Um, people are still cl- clearly afraid, I think, to go back to the movies. Um, and everything we're seeing also is that it's not necessarily a word-of-mouth thing because all the, the indicators are, you know, the cinema score, um, Flickster, you know, everything we see seems to indicate that people love this just as much as they love Dark Knight. So it's not that. Um so that's what we're looking at now. So, I mean, you know, looking forward to the weekend, you have Total Recall coming. That's that's nothing. So, for the, so you're saying that, uh, as I presume what you mean is, for the same reason that people did not get on airplanes following 9-11, thinking perhaps that that might repeat itself, it took a few weeks or at least a few weeks for people to get over that idea that perhaps it was not, it was unsafe to fly and that they've gradually got into it again. So the same thing is happening here. They're, they're thinking that maybe some fruit loop might do the same thing in another theater. So they're thinking, let's just not go for the time being. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just a natural human reaction reaction. Right. It could happen in the airport. It could happen if, you know, a right. school shooting happened. I'm sure parents kept kids home after Columbine, you know, right. for a couple of days yeah. somewhere in the country. Um, so, you know, that's that's what's happening here. And, I mean, it's mm-hmm. doesn't mean people are going to stop going to movies. No, of course not. Um, and it just takes more people time. More people – some people are just more paranoid. You know, that's it. Right. Uh, even though statistically something like that happening to you, you know, have a better chance of winning the lottery probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it but is what I it is. The- I mean, it's it's close to three hundred million, so it's it's mm-hmm. chugging along. Yeah, three hundred million is really good. It doesn't have much farther to go uh, to to hit its marker of six hundred million. And but but I'm not going to try to be Pollyanna here. I mean, I'm too afraid to go to the movies, you know. And I know I'm just too afraid. I'm going to go, but I'm I'm still afraid. The thing is, is fear is irrational. You know, it's it's a it's a, a you know an evolved trait that you know helps you survive so a lot of you know humans are the only animal actually that questions their own fear like cats aren't afraid of looking stupid for running out of the room if you shift your feet you know they don't 
care that they look stupid for that. You know, they just uh-huh. do it because their instincts tell them to. And uh, my instinct is telling me not to go, right? So I have to fight against that because I'm human and I can do that. I think the theaters should have done a better job at reassuring people that they've upped their security and they've, you know, that they're that they have guards and cameras and they're locking their emergency exits and they're watching that stuff. You know, nobody should have been able to walk in and out of that emergency exit without anyone noticing, you know, that was. So anyway, I'm just saying, I understand why people are scared. I also understand why people are saying, don't be scared, go to the movies. I mean, a guy showed up in court today when um, the shooter got his sentence, you know, his, his charges read to him, he was Mm -hmm. wearing a dark Knight t-shirt and he said he had gone to see the movie twice since mm-hmm. the shooting, since he was in the theater with a guy opening fire, <laughs> he'd gone ah. back to the movies twice to see it. Mm-hmm. So good for him. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is like, but, but I think that people would go more maybe if they were reassured that, um, that the, that people, that the securities, you know, was, was being paid attention to at, at theaters. I don't know. Well, if I know ex- exhibition and I certainly do know exhibition, they're doing. Uh, they're not. Uh, they don't want to, uh, you know, pay for any extra security. They don't want to pay for anything. Uh, they don't want to pay for uh, forty-eight frames per second. They don't want to pay for decent three D. Uh, they don't. Want, they want to save on lenses. They're just cheapskates. So they're not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't trust them to ever have uh, appropriate security in the aftermath of something like this. Well, what would would change that if is if people sued the theaters. You know, if they sued the, the theater company for, for providing lax security, instead of suing Warner Brothers, which they're only trying to do because they know Warner Brothers has the deep pockets and they might yeah. choose to settle just to shut the whole thing up. But that's the most oh, ridiculous thing. Who is it that is you are reading or hearing that might be suing Warner Brothers? Survivors or uh, mm-hmm. rela- relations of the of the deceased? Or who no, are you talking I think about? actual shooting victims are suing Warner Brothers for the Dark Knight. Okay. Actually, they might be suing the theaters, too. They might be suing both. What about that brilliant idea that you had about a class action suit against the NRA? They wouldn't do that, of course, because they're Mm-mm. middle because they come from the hinterlands, and you don't want to do that. <laughs> right. because the, yeah. the only thing that happened in Colorado was gun sales went up. And a few film <laughs> critics came out with their, with their usual, you know, we can't ignore pop culture essays. You know, <laughs> and, and Owen Gleiberman wrote one, which was really thoughtful. I, but if you just take... 15 minutes to do research on mass shooters Mm -hmm. you will see that they're the only people who pay attention to the pop culture thing is the media they're the ones who are obsessed with pop culture they're the ones who glom onto these stories and don't let them go because they're sexy uh all the shootings that happen in this country and there are a lot of them there are a lot of them this year more than 10 so far and you know this is the only one that can be attached to a pop culture you know, can be attached to a movie. And there were a couple that could be attached to Marilyn Manson and um, video games. But that, mm-hmm. but it's a small percentage compared to the people who just are disgruntled or they got fired or whatever it was that made them go out and shoot people. Right. But the only... So wait, I just want to say one last thing. I don't yeah. mean to turn it into a gun control thing, but the only common link between the shooters is access to guns, easy access, unchecked you know, um, purchases of ammunition, uh, buying 6,000 rounds of ammunition online Um, without being followed or traced is crazy. You are um, absolutely correct, and it is crazy. And if I know this country, nobody will do a thing about it. And it'll it'll happen again, and nothing will get in the way of people's concept of themselves that metaphorical empowerment thing that they feel they have when they're when they're packing, when they've got their Glocks and everything, something about that is is just entrancing to uh, sort of you know conservative middle Americans. I've you know I don't know how, what what's wrong with them. I don't know what what what's in their diet, but that's what they believe in. And I don't know how you talk people out of that, but they just are they're so in love with it that that they are kind of you know. They're, 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 you know, the, if one of the right thinking NRA people had been in the theater that night, they could have taken them out. You know, they're, you're never going to divest these guys of that notion. That's where they're coming from. That's what they oh, believe. Oh, I know. Believe me, I've been fighting with this right winger on Facebook about it. And he thinks that um, for after I told him that the guy was wearing bulletproof helmet, bulletproof vest and bulletproof leggings, he'd have to be really lucky with a shot. Yeah. 
he has one time to shoot him, and the guy turns around and you know lays a bunch of rounds into him. Although, mm-hmm. to be fair, this guy was not very well trained in in shooting. Jim Holmes, mm-hmm. he you know he his gun jammed. He he flailed around. If he had been trained, if he if that rifle range has, had accepted him and they trained him, he would have killed a lot more people a lot quicker. But. Um, I didn't actually hear that. He went to a rifle range to do some practice, no, and they rejected him. him? They reject. Oh, they rejected his application because his the guy. I mean, this guy actually did a background check. They called him at home, and they heard his phone message, and he was he sounded really weird on the phone message. So the guy had a bad instinct about him. He said, "You know, I don't know. This guy seems off." And they, after three phone calls, they rejected his application to to shoot, Hmm. to practice, and to learn how to do it. Um, but you know, this, uh, this guy's saying that there's a conspiracy that the, the liberals are trying to enact, you know, take away our guns. And so, because there's no way Jim Holmes could have rigged his apartment that way with bombs. And, you know, they had some expert technicians come in there and do it just so that people would get freaked out so that they would take away America's guns. Well, Uh. it's never going to happen. You know, I mean, I think any country, if it was written into their constitution that says they have a right to bear arms, is going to take advantage of that right. You know, that's really what it comes down to is the Second Amendment. And, you know, Mm. we seem to adhere to the founding fathers on that, but we've overturned slavery and we gave women the right to vote. So some of their ideas weren't the best. I don't think, I think we should have the right to bear arms, absolutely. Mm. But I think there should be regulation on who gets to... Um, how much ammunition people can buy and they should ban assault rifles. You know, there should just be, people should be, government should be allowed to regulate it without the NRA controlling the debate. That's all. And I won't talk about it anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> can I can I ask you something about your book club? You have a book club that you're part of or mm-hmm. you, you've begun, right? Yeah. So have you guys spoken about reading the property that was recently bought by a fox and that Witherspoon wants to be in, and it's a real page-turner. It's like the new uh, the new Fifty Shades that's called Gone Girl. Have you read about that? No, no. I, Despite the fact that I'm a woman, most of my readers are men, and um, I don't think I could sell that book. It's a piece of trash, isn't it? If it's like I don't Fifty know. Shades, I haven't read it. I, just I haven't read it either, but Fifty Shades of Grey is a piece of trash, so... This, okay. If this is like that, then, you know, I don't think that we would take on fan fiction when we've got F. Scott Fitzgerald, you know, and um, Doris Kearns Goodwin waiting in the wings. <laughs> so we have taste is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. okay. But, so, Phil, what's going to happen? I'm, I'm uh, going to have a, fun, a chance to see, well, later this week on Thursday, there's the old media of, of uh, Hope Springs, and then they're going to, I'm going to have a chance to see it tomorrow night. Uh, because I'm going to be away in Monument Valley starting on Wednesday night. But can uh, you tell me what you're sensing is going to happen? Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll just guess right off the top. No one wants to see it except for over 35s and mostly women, right? But uh, uh, what's, what kind of uh, action do you anticipate? Yeah, but, I mean, you make that sound like it's a bad thing. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it is. I'm, yeah. You know, it, well, no, I mean, it's going to be huge. I mean, there, there's no doubt about it in, in my mind. I mean, that's just... You have an audience that is going to be interested in that that isn't served for for the majority of the summer. And when you give them something, you know, like Best Exotic Marigold, Marigold Hotel or, or a new Woody Allen movie, mm-hmm. you know, which happened last year with Midnight in Paris, not mm-hmm. so much with um, To Run With Love, they just go nuts. They, they come out and support it and they tell all their friends that finally, um, you know, there, there's something other than a blockbuster opening this weekend. Um so yeah, I mean, it definitely has a shot at 100 million domestic, I think. Okay. Um, and and from what I've heard, it's it's just a very good movie. I mean, I'm hearing good things. What exactly have you heard? Can you share? Um, I I think it might actually have been. I want to say it was even it might have been on your site or, or somebody's, but just early word is that you know Tommy Lee Jones's Oscar level and, and Meryl Streep is you know Meryl Streep. She's consistently good. Um, I heard one thing that it's a little more dramatic and a little more uh, earnest, and and uh, that it's meant. To, it looks like kind of a older person's sex comedy, and it's not that. It's a little uh, more humanistic and and sadder, I guess. Well, I'm not surprised by that. I mean, they they that's nothing new for a trailer to sell something as a, a comedy and then you know slip in the drama. I mean, that's that's what Magic Mike did, and it worked just fine. Yeah. I mean, people p- panicked. They were like, no, 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 Magic Mike's too dark. It was 
sold as, you know, a, mm-hmm. an idiotic, you know, escapist stripper movie. But, mm-hmm. you know, people don't give moviegoers enough credit. I mean, they're, they're not totally averse to, to drama if it, if it works for the story and, the, and there's still, you know, enough laughs that they can walk out satisfied. I mean, you know, some of the biggest hits of all time mix, mix drama and comedy. So, yeah, it's, it's going to do very well. Unless it gets trashed by the critics, and then it might not. Although the, the Marigold, Ho- Marigold Hotel did kind of got trashed, didn't it? And no one really cared. So maybe the days of the critics are over. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> why, why do you anticipate that it's going to be in trouble, Sasha? Why do you anticipate that uh, you know the Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic mm. people are going to be negative on it? Where do you get where yeah. do you get that? I mean, uh, because we just live in the age of snark, you know, and. I was surprised that that uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild was as divided as it was, and you know, I just, mm. I think that, you know, I think that that it's it's you know it's hip to be a, okay. down, a downer, and that anything, but you know, I don't know, maybe they just don't like things that other people like. Who knows? But mm. I don't know. I'm just guessing that that it won't be everybody's cup of tea. You know, the the kind of critics that write. Mm. Yeah, sixty two. On um, Metacritic for the best exotic Marigold Hotel, mm-hmm. that's pretty bad. Yeah. That's a failing grade. Yeah, but the audience didn't care. Nobody cared. People still want to go see it. You know. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, if if you starve somebody, you can give them anything to eat, and they'll eat it. <laughs> Basically, Roger yeah, that's, Ebert. That's gave what's it, happening. Yeah, yeah, Roger Ebert gave it the best review, and but see, what I see is, I think that that. You know our culture, uh, the critics and everything. Everybody's too picky, and I think that it's it's hurting movies actually, and um, because you're getting into the situation where everything has to be so vanilla for it not to get taken down by the critics. It seems like um, they just don't like anything anymore. Uh, after the Social Network, it um, they stopped kind of aligning around one movie. And so you don't really see the kind of things like you used to see where oh, there are, you know, you don't, you don't, in fact, on Metacritic right now, there is no movie that's higher than 87. You don't even get into the 90s, whereas Social Network had a 94, you know? And now it's not the season for that. The season for those 90s is, is coming up. I know, but last year, the same thing happened all mm-hmm. the way through the year. And you're going to see probably they're going to be... Well, maybe, like, uh, the master might get something really good because he's a critic's darling. Are you bummed out about the master not going to tell you right? Very. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Do you That's think it'll bad. go by any chance, by some miracle? Oh, maybe. You know, he doesn't. I mean, I'm not saying Michael Fleming of Deadline knows, but he's usually gets... He has pretty good sources. He's had them all uh, for many, many years. And if he says he doesn't think he's going, it means that somebody in the Weinstein Company says, ah, I don't know, you know. I don't know if we can get them to fly over from Venice and all the way to tell you what, you know. They, no, they might say you're that, right. You know? They won't. They won't. Plus, they don't need to because they're going to make such a huge splash in Venice that, that that's going to be, you know, a hundred yeah. times more valuable to them than Telluride would be. And then it'll be in Toronto after that, so... I guess they're, they're just probably uh, thinking to themselves. If I were them, I'd want to do all three. I would want to hit everybody because this is not going to be a big audience film, you know. Probably. I mean, I, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's it's a Paul Thomas Anderson film, it's, so it's gonna it's gonna be for particular people who like uh, high end, uh, you know, well sculpted movies for intelligent people. So that automatically cuts out eighty percent, ninety percent of the audience. <laughs> I don't think so. I think that the that audiences, in some ways, like they all, you know, the the Dark Knight Rises is certainly no, you know, <clears throat> mediocre. Fast. I mean, it's it's a, it's a really deep. I think a really deep, you know, interesting, you know, artfully done uh, blockbuster movie, movie for Republicans and Wall Street capitalists. No, you're wrong about that, dude. You got that I'm, reading so wrong. I'm just going on the latest thing that was written by this guy named Andrew Clavin in the Wall Street Journal that I quoted today. You know, it's another piece that that basically says this movie speaks for us. It delights. You know, it, it's saying what what we believe. You know, the, the right, the the the. the um, yeah, well, guess what? I'm on the left, and I think it speaks for us. God, that poor movie. Jesus Christ, <laughs> it's a miracle it's made as much as it has, considering how it's <laughs> taking hits. I mean, when Harry Knowles from Ain't It Cool News, you know, disses your movie on Twitter, like, what hope do you have? <laughs> I don't think his um, his opinion. Uh, I think he's seen as a 
a real impassioned fanboy, but I think he's, uh, I don't think it matters that much to a lot of people. Uh, I think it kind of was a big thing with, with his, uh, uh, but I think he started to uh, invalidate himself a long time ago when he started crying at Armageddon. That was the thing that made a deep, deep impression upon me back in, was that, 98? Well, the thing is, is that he has the reputation of liking everything. And so then he doesn't like this. This is strange. You know, it's mm. just an odd thing. Mm. But um, Yeah, but when you, when you deal with the fanboys, it's, you know, George Lucas could tell you this better than anybody. They bitch and they bitch and they bitch and they just moan and complain and just get angry and then you ask them you know oh you're you're angry about every decision george lucas has made about star wars the new star wars movie oh yeah it's gonna suck what are you gonna do this weekend go see the new star wars (laughs) you know it's like you can't you can't live with these people Um, and that's batman harry knowles can yell about it all he wants the people still see it twice even if they hate it they'll see it twice they'll be like well i didn't like it the first time maybe i have to see it again so, so even though pretty much everyone I have read so far, and I w- I'm waiting to hear from someone who's gloriously happy at the idea that there's going to be not two, but believe it or not, three Hobbit movies. That was the announcement today. <laughs> They're uh-huh. actually uh, going to, you know, uh, who's going to be delighted with that? That seems so craven, so, 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 um, you know, opportunistic, and and, um, and just just really has. I, I I mean, I started to like. Peter Jackson, and now I'm starting to hate him again because Uh-oh. of that. You know? I just am th- appalled that he would do that, and uh, it looks like the, that's what's going to happen, though. They're going to have three of them. But you're saying the fanboy's going to go anyway, and he knows that, and Warner Brothers knows that, so yeah. they're going to make more. It's just like, do you have any honor for yourselves? You, you want to make more money, so you're going to stretch it out to three? I don't think God, it's about man. money, though. I think in his case, it's not about money. He's too much of a, a techno geek. I think it's about technology. I think he wants to divide it up and give people enough time to ease into 48 frames per second, and by the third one, it'll be in, te- in place, and everybody will love it. And, you know, I think it's about the toys and the money that he has to make, make the toys. And, you know, he's always been into tech stuff. That's my take on it, but nobody else well, seems th- to agree with me. Yeah, I think it's about, you know, one of the, the, one of the main things that a fan, somebody who likes a book, always complains about is that they cut stuff out they Mm. cut this out they cut that out they cut that out so i mean making three movies is kind of giving the fans what they want it's saying here we're going to make it longer we're going to leave more stuff in and yet a lot of fans like you're you're saying jeff you know they they still complain i have a a good friend from high school i texted who is obsessed with lord of the rings his whole room full of this stuff and even he re- he reacted with snark to it. He was like, "Yo, they're gonna make you know." He made some joke about how much money it's gonna make now, and I don't know. But there's no way to please those people because they they already direct the movie in their head. Right, but it's, can't, it's not about money though. It's just like with Jim Cameron. It's not about money. You know, it, it these guys. It's they they already have enough money. They don't need enough money. Peter Jackson does not live large. You know he doesn't. He, they live in the tiny little house in New Zealand. It's it's not about money. It's about you know innovation. I think mm-hmm. on his part. And I think the Hobbit is the way he wants to tell that. He there are a lot of things he probably wants to do, and he probably can't fit them all in. Mm-hmm. And if they like Phil says, if they try to smush it, it down, then people are disappointed. So you can't really please them. Um, I'm not too excited about it because it's not my favorite subject matter. <laughs> but, oh, and I, I don't want to have yeah, to endure yeah. three movies of this, but I will go see it. I'm not going to complain. You know, I'm, I'm sure whatever he's going to do, he's making it going to be worth our time. So um, can I ask uh, about uh, one other box office thing? By the way, Phil, you just said 100 on Hope Springs. You believe that it's going to end up in the vicinity of $100 million, this film, right? Domestically, yeah. That's pretty amazing. I really was not aware that it had that kind of potential. I thought it was going to be um, maybe a forty million, fifty million, something you know, respectable. Some, you know, I don't know how much it cost to make, but I had no idea that you were anticipating, and people like you with your contacts and knowledge were anticipating a, a hit of that size. So, well, I mean, Julie and Julia, uh, you know, another Meryl Streep movie that opened similar time did um, ninety four domestically. Uh-huh. So. Right. Yeah, yeah. She's a major she, she draw. definitely has the potential to do that. Okay. Everybody loves Meryl Streep. She's a huge box office draw. But I guess my question on that is: Do you think the theater mm. shootings will have any impact on that? Being that it's the more the adult crowd, and they're the ones who are a little more likely to be afraid. 
to go? Um, no, no, by that point, no. I, I really don't think so. Um, I, I think we're already coming on the other side of it. You know, it's it's ending, I think. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's as intense. I think the first weekend, you know, when it happened, that was when it was really bad. And just every weekend after that is just going to keep getting better. Um, but, I, I mean, I'm an optimist about it. I don't want to be all, you know, doom and gloom. Right. And, and I'm, now I'm more of, you know, the belief, you know, go back to the movies. Go go keep living your life. Um, so, yeah. yeah. What's going to happen, do you think, with uh, the campaign that's coming out in, I think, August 10th or something? Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to do really well. I mean, I think I'm a little biased because I think it looks great. I, you know, I like... Zach Galifianakis and I can tolerate Will Ferrell when he's in in certain modes and I, I just think it looks like a really funny movie and it's it's perfectly timed. I mean it's you know right now people are just sick enough with you know of the campaign that's going on now that they're willing to laugh at it. If you release it in like you know September October, they'd be so sick of the campaign that they wouldn't even want to... They're not sick of the campaign. campaign. They're not sick of the campaign. Of course they are. Come no, they're, they, 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 can't be, they can't be roused to pay attention to the campaign. <laughs> it's because the news cycle... No, I mean, the news cycle just pisses everyone off. It's just literally... It's, it's you know, Romney says they're, something stupid, Obama yeah. counters. Obama says something stupid, Romney Obama counters. Obama doesn't say anything stupid. <laughs> okay. All right, Hitler youth over here. Um... He doesn't. Right. Tell me what he said that's stupid. Romney is the one who does the gas and the idiotic, you know. Uh, well, Obama saying, is known for negative advertising. That's what they're doing on him. But, you know, he's a prime candidate for that. Well, and in the, the eyes of other people, he's, he can say... The reason there's that, a race out there is because of low information voters. And that is a, a polite term for people who are too stupid to even pay attention, to even have an active interest in trying to, you know, really look at things. And that's what yeah, this country I mean, is made of. This is a stupid country that, that believes in uh, biblical re- retribution. They believe that, the, <laughs> that Jesus is going to come down. And uh, I mean, this is an idiotic country. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, voting knee-jerk because you like one, one team better than the other, that's a couple steps up, but it's not an improvement. I mean, you know, I don't want to go into like, that again, but it's all they're doing is splitting the country, uh-huh. and, and nothing gets accomplished. Nothing. Well, it's no, not really their Obama's job. Obama's not going to pass the gun laws. He's got conservative people saying that his foreign policy is, you know, George Bush on steroids. You have all these things against him, and yet people are just, well, you know, he's he's better than Romney. We can't have Romney. Let's. It's, there's no accountability anymore. None. Well, I think that Romney is significantly worse than, than Obama in so many ways. But I, you know, I understand where you're coming from, Phil. I understand why, why young, you know, people are tuned out and tuned off. And they're not tuned out. They're just fucking lazy. They really well, are. No, I mean, no, they, they can't be bothered to have an intelligent thought about it. They're just. Well, they they all got, you know, hopeful during the whole Obama thing, and and you know there was enthusiasm for a candidate like I've never seen in my lifetime. And you know, I was a Hillary supporter, and then I became an Obama supporter after he got the nomination, and I've stuck by him, and I haven't jumped ship. But I've watched all my liberal friends jump ship, you know, and start complaining about Obama because he didn't come through. He didn't turn water into wine. He didn't create and make the miracles happen that they said he promised. But I think it was projection. I think they saw in him the America they wanted, not what he was saying he was going to do. You know, the only thing he's done that's really been awful to me is the... You know, sheltering the Wall Street crooks, which I don't think yeah. he should have done, and I think That's it been... really damaged his credibility. His stuff on his stance on Afghanistan has not changed. I actually got a letter in the mail from Anthem, a healthcare company that I paid just a short amount to while I had healthcare for like a month or something, and I got a letter that said, "You're getting a rebate because of um, the Healthcare Reform Act says that we have to spend a certain amount of money on." patients and the rest of it can't be spent on administrative costs and if we spend more than we're supposed to on administrative costs we have to give you the money back can't pass universal health care in this country Uh just like they can't take on the nra the only reason he's not taking on gun control right now is because 
it's too it wasn't on his agenda for re-election and and he can't just suddenly adopt it just because of the shooting there's no time and it would be the thing that republicans would use against him so i understand that i think in his second term he'll he'll start going after that a little bit more i hope so i hope he gets reelected but the stupider romney looks the more americans seem to like him yep. he is you know, one of the most, you know, inarticulate, you know, really t- comes off as very stupid. But hell, you know, look at George Bush, two-term president. Who looked mm-hmm. dumber than George Bush? Nobody. Right. Reagan, everybody thought he was dumb. And he, you know, is now known as one of the greatest presidents who ever lived. And so Romney being dumb, R- Romney's gaffes aren't going to hurt him up, at the polls. It, Ronald Reagan caused the economic crisis that we are now suffering from. It's the Reagan administration of deregulation that caused directly and created a whole culture of uh, laissez-faire deregulation that led to the collapse and the pain and the agony that so many millions have suffered since 08. It's, it's, there's no that myth is over that Reagan is a great president. No, it's not. Are you kidding? People still think he is. Like I said, I think it again. That's the low information. They don't want to think about anything. They don't want to read anything. You know, there is a reason. There are factors that led to the to the uh, you know to the pirate gangster banker uh, uh, culture. You know, it's about deregulation and about nobody telling them no, including Geithner and, and Obama right now. They're letting you know. So right, there, right. It, is, it didn't just happen like a tree fell down. You know, it, there's, there's factors that led to it. Right. That's the liberal view. But the, the, the conservative view is the opposite, that he, you know, that, that and all the conservatives kind of look to Reagan as their one great, you know, he's like their Kennedy. So, you know. If you want to be lazy about it, and I'm not saying you're lazy, Sasha, but if you want to be lazy-minded and just default to that nice, easy, oh, he's a great Republican president, you know, go ahead. You well, know. they don't think regul they don't think regulation is a good thing. Conservatives they like deregulation. You know? That's precisely why we're in the shit right now because of the lack of regu- uh, regulation. It's right. not a radical viewpoint. It's so obvious. It's so well documented. I don't know what to say. You know, it's like it's like we're we're in a. You know, it's like there's the, the rank rank stupidity is the, is the norm. You know, it's it's it's. Um, I don't know what to say. Yeah. Well, you know, because you went to high school here, you know how people are about the smart kids. They tease the smart kids who sit up in the front. Now, Romney and Bush both went to Harvard. Bush yeah. went to Harvard and Yale, and yet, and Obama went to Harvard, and yet Obama gets made fun of for being like the smart kid at the front of the class. Romney gets a pass because he comes off as, as so dumb, and same yeah. with George Bush. Like people, they like Americans like dumb presidents. Yeah. It's just the way it is. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, but I think the difference. You know, with, when it comes to comparing Romney to, you know, Bush and, and Reagan, Bush and Reagan both had charisma. Um, right. That's that's <laughs> what you're leaving out. Romney doesn't have that, so you can you can be stupid and pull it off if you have a shit-eating grin and and you know, everybody wants to have a beer with you. But right. Romney doesn't have that, and and that's why I don't even worry about. Oh, Obama's going to win. You put the two of them in a debate. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be brutal. And then that's it. <laughs> you keep saying you know? that, Phil. I'm waiting for that moment. I hope it's true. <laughs> I'm calling it now. And, and then everybody's going to stop. The, the, the percentages are going to go up in favor of Obama, and that's it. Um, you know, and, and look, I would love to see him deliver a good second term. I, I would love to see that. I, you know, but um, I'm, I'm just not in the position where I feel like I can get behind him. And, and I feel like we're... We're educated. We can be educated enough in this country that we can, you know, demand accountability. I would love to see a real leftist president. I would so love it, Phil. I mean, if that's what you're saying, or someone who's really, I, I am. Know, yeah. I mean, yeah. and I think a lot of people agree with that. I think if a lot of people, if you ask them, look, you know, would you would you like to have a, a third party candidate that you really thought could win? I guarantee you, a lot of people would say yes to that. Um, but there's just somehow this notion that no, no, third party, you're throwing away your vote. Just stop now. Well, no, yeah, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. Part of the reason is, as Bill Maher pointed out, is like we the left doesn't have the same organizational skills as the right. Like they, no. the Tea Party, as horrible as they are, uh, you know, they were a really motivated, organized, proactive group. And look at what they did. Look at how many people they've gotten into our government. You know, um, maybe it's caused government standstill, which it has. 
but you get an extremely leftist guy running for president. I dare not say girl, but you, you need all the other support groups to to work like the Tea Party Tea Partiers did, and we don't have that on the left. You know, we have lazy people on the left who go on Facebook and and you know. I'll stop and wait for you to be done typing, Jeff. No, I'm, I'm listening. I'm just um, I'm uh, just typing a little note to myself. To, you know. No, it's okay. I, I just don't I want to talk while you're typing. <laughs> no, I stopped. I stopped. I'm sorry. I didn't think it was that uh, audible. That yeah, oh, yeah, you can hear yeah, it. <laughs> it's just a note. I just make notes to myself as I talk to myself, you know. No, I Go know. Ahead. I hear okay. you. Okay. Uh, all right. So anyway, we should get off politics. Why so what's are we always, so yeah, what's do we happen, always go on to politics? You said, uh, do you have any uh, – I mean, it's funny, number one. I haven't heard anybody having uh, seen it. Um, uh, I'm talking about the campaign, uh, which uh, it's being heavily advertised. It comes out on the 10th. Here it is uh, almost August 1st. When is August 1st? On uh, Is it tomorrow? I think it's tomorrow. Wednesday. Okay. Yeah, Wednesday. So I don't uh, – you know, I don't. They have. I asked if I could please see it, uh, as I have to with at least half of the films, if not more than half. I have to write them and say I would be delighted if I could see it. May I please? And they say okay, but they don't invite me. <laughs> well, somebody saw it because I saw a, tw- a tweet. I saw a tweet about it. No, but I think um, <laughs> Katie Rich, I think, saw it, and okay. she said, "Oh, it's really funny." Of course. Mm. So. Well, good. Yeah. So right. they are screening it. People are seeing it. Yeah, I mean the junket hordes. You mean? I guess I don't know. I don't know how you divide them up, but I know people have have been seeing the people it. on that on that circuit. They they go to the um, you know the like Katie's one of the people that go, and the, she often sees things with the junket crowd. The the people who are many many years ago that term junket whore came out of a documentary that was on Bravo or something. You know, basically about how they're on that circuit. I'm not saying that Katie's. Uh, Lacks principle. She's a very good writer, and I and I, I I'm not trying to put her down. I'm just saying it's that crowd that sees them. So. Mm. I know it's funny. I didn't even know about that crowd till I started going to those um, press conferences at the Four Seasons, and it's a whole community of people. You're right. Like it, it's such a Henry Jaglom movie waiting to happen. Like to follow around, you know, all the people that go to the same junkets. <laughs> It's a nice life, I'm telling you, to be feeded that much and to stay in that much luxury and comfort and have all that food in the, in the room. You know, it's it's a nice life, and it's um, if, it's a nice way to be corrupted. I'll tell you, I, I, I like it when I go. You know. I mean, I so you mean is the deal you can't say anything negative? Is that the part of being no, co-opted? No, absolutely not the deal. But you know that you'd better, you know, just be be political about it. Just you know, it just it, you say that fear kicks in and it's irrational. Well. The instinct to, uh, you know, keep the good stuff coming, that's also an instinct that we all have. And we know what what is uh, what will keep it coming. And that's if you want to be adverse and complicated and, and you know, we all know how to handle ourselves in a junket thing. And I certainly do. Uh, look at me. I, I, I became a slut when I happened to talk to Harrison Ford at Cannes in 08 when they showed the Enigent. Look at me. I, I, I totally capitulated and I lost my judgment and bearing because I was so taken by my moment with Harrison Ford at the party. The next day I, I see it and then for whatever stupid reason, I have no excuse. <laughs> Are we talking about we're talking about that? Yeah, Indiana Jones and the Temple of, or whatever it's called. The Crystal Skull. That film. It's so funny. So you was you thought it was terrible, but because you were hanging out with, with uh, Harrison Ford and, and- I've asked myself, why did I like that film? And I saw it a second time. I couldn't believe it. And I, all I can figure is that I was just floating on the, I felt like I was kind of, you know, privileged company or something. Right, I was in a, right. I don't know, something, some instinct led me to kind of go, you know, okay, you know. Yeah. I just didn't, uh, but you stay, it's, I, don't, I have no excuse. I did that with Planet of the Apes too, but I had no um, contact there. I, I just happened to see Planet of the Apes one time. And I really uh, thought, it, for, I don't know what's wrong with me, because I've seen it since, and I, I was crazy. But every now and then, you, you do these things. Are you talking about the rise of the Planet of the Apes? No, 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 that was good. I'm yeah. talking about the Tim Burton one that came out, uh, oh, oh, oh. you know, what, what was that, like eight, nine years ago? <laughs> it's always the yeah. danger when you see stuff early. It, it, sometimes it doesn't even have to do with, uh, you know, rubbing elbows with, with 
the casting, you know, it, they're so good publicists because they know that you're going to feel like you're part of something, that you're their friends, quote unquote, you know, and that, you know, like I, I think of Telluride when we were all so close with the Descendants cast, you know, and you feel like, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I don't think it's going to ever make you like a movie that you don't like, but if you do like it, it's going to make you, you know, fight hard for your friends, yeah. you know, and support your friends, quote unquote. But, um, I saw. I'll never forget my my most like embarrassing moment of seeing movies early was the Kite Runner. You know, it's still my the one movie that like I sobbed all the way through it. I came out of it thinking, "Oh my God, it's gonna it could win Best Picture." <laughs> of course, it got so badly you know pounced on by the critics, and it just went nowhere. And of course, it was never going to be an Oscar movie, and mm. it was quite embarrassing. Well, at least you you got over that. Dave Poland still hasn't so. Yeah, right, okay. I, they don't. People don't take me to task for it like they do him. <laughs> well, he's just bad. I mean, it's just, it's way too obvious. I mean, it's like I remember he said about Warrior that you know the the Joel Edgerton Tom Hardy thing that you know Best Picture shoe in for a nomination, acting nominations across the board, and a hundred million dollar box office, and it opens to five million dollars. Oh. And, yeah. Nick Nolte barely squeaked by with a supporting actor nomination. It's like he just goes way too nuts with things. He needs to hedge more. You know, that's the whole key is you got to hedge. Like I've had I used to get in fights with Chris Tapley because back in the day he doesn't do this anymore because you always learn your lesson. You know, back in the day, Chris, when he predicted Letters from Iwo Jima to win Best Picture and he was Mm -hmm. so convinced it would. Because he didn't think I think that was the departed year, wasn't it? He didn't think that the departed could win. Um Mm-hmm. And he also told me after he saw No Country for Old Men, no way could that movie win Best Picture <laughs> and stuff mm. like that. Like, you just, I mean, in a conversation with me, the two of us, he and I do a lot of those kind of absolutes. But if you start going public with that kind of stuff, you're really going to embarrass yourself, especially if people hold you to it, you know. But if you hedge a little bit, like, I think this might, this could, mm-hmm. I'm not feeling it for Best Picture, you know. Mm. Hey, by the way, can I get some opinions about what uh, I learned, which is that we're not going to see anything, uh, uh, probably, probably not going to see any kind of peek out uh, from uh, Disney on Lincoln on, uh, at the New York Film Festival. They want to, uh, uh, you know, be a little more cautious. Uh, they think that, um, that, that it, it, they don't want to um, have it pop out before the election, but with it coming out on November 9th, which is only three days after the election, they don't you think it's going to be part of the part of the conversation? It's going to be kind of out there if they are opening it that on the 9th, because surely that means they're going to start showing it at least in mid-October, uh, you know, two, at least two or three weeks before. And people start talking about it. there'll be a lot of articles and whatnot. So how does that not make it part of the conversation that is going around you know, will be going around very heatedly at that point about Obama and Romney and the presidential election. Um, I think that it's, uh, I think that it's, it's a shrewd move by Spielberg. You know, I think that if, if people read the, the, the movie, if the movie is like the book, you know, you, you think two things while reading it. Obama reminds me a lot of Abraham Lincoln. And the other thing is, um, Boy, are the Republicans of today, you know, a sad, sad rendition of what the Republicans once were back in Lincoln's time. They were thoughtful, you know, conscientious men of character. Mm. You know, I know I'm just going by Doris Kearns Goodwin's book, and I'm sure you could, you know, see redefine it any way you want. And I'm yeah. sure that, that nobody will ever want to compare. People will be, you know, horrified to compare. But I think if you look back on how Lincoln was treated and what he was up against... And in the future, looking back on this era and you look at Obama and what he was up against, the kind of racism that's still in America, just mm-hmm. that, um, I think you're going to see a fine man. You know, maybe he disappointed you on this or that, but you're going to overall see a fine man. And I think mm-hmm. that that's how you, you obviously see Lincoln, who's still considered the greatest president we've ever known. So mm-hmm. uh, I think people will draw comparisons, but I also think that the right wingers are going to go nuts about those comparisons. <laughs> that's my take i don't know i could be wrong we'll see hopefully the movie will be good the book sure is great 
Well, you were, uh, I don't know, seven or eight Oscar pokers ago, you were kind of um, saying, listen, I don't trust Spielberg anymore. He's, he's, he can fuck anything up. You know, he'll, mm-hmm. he'll Spielberg guys it, maybe, you know. Yeah. Uh, who knows, you know. But, well, I but think that- um, what do you think now? I mean, you, you modified your view, or do you think that he's, um, have, um, I mean, because they haven't done the book. I know that you're enamored of the book, and I think many people are. But I don't. My understanding is they haven't done the book at all. They're doing um, uh, Emancipation Proclamation to Assassination, which is what late '64 until April '65. Right. Right. Well, yeah, except for the fact that you've got this is what you've got for this. You know, The War Horse was based on a children's book, kind of a poorly written one at that. Mm-hmm. This is a book that took Doris Kearns Goodwin ten years to write. This mm-hmm. is a woman who knows. Everything there is to know about all U.S. presidents, but especially President Lincoln. So that's a huge amount of research right there. Tony Kushner then spent five years writing the screenplay. And they referred to Doris Kearns Goodwin. She was on set. Spielberg asked her questions back and forth. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis is a really good actor. I, I have changed my mind now that I know more about the book and I know more about the research that went behind it. I mean, we're not talking about War Horse here. This is something a lot deeper um, you might be in oh God, this is like this is the quote that's going to haunt me for the rest of my life. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm going to say it and then it's going to turn out to be wrong. And you guys are going <laughs> to say, oh, my mm-hmm. God, you remember when you said that. But I'm uh, just going to say it anyway. We could be in Schindler's List territory here. OK, so I would be delighted uh, for one. I would love love if Spielberg could grow out of himself and, and transcend his own uh instincts which i think are deplorable often uh and but you have to ask yourself how did does the example or the the history of uh, him having made amistad does that not give you pause or give you concern about what this could be <laughs> amistad is so bad um yeah. i don't know what went into making amistad but I, I think that his heart was in the right place um really in the right place i think that spielberg is one of uh you know, one of a few filmmakers who really have cultural awareness of things. And, and you know, he's not just in it to make money. And he you know, he really wants to tell a good story a lot of times. And I think with Amistad, the, the color purple, same thing. But he's always going to be Steven Spielberg. And, he, you know, his, his look at, you know, the film Always and how he sapped that out. I mean, it's like he's always going to be this that sappy guy. He can't change that about him. But his heart is in the right place. And I think with Amistad... Though it didn't go all the way with Oscar or whatever, it, it was, still was a noble project. I think with Lincoln, you're talking about something a little bit different than Amistad. But that's my thing. I think the 10 years of Doris Kearns Goodwin writing the book and the five years of Tony Kushner will bear that out. But we'll see. All right. Mm. All right. And basically, you can't go. It's like we said with War Horse, but with this, you can't go wrong with this story. This is a story, an American story, that is a good one. And it is maybe our best one. So yeah. in, in many ways, you can't go wrong. Unfortunately, what happened to African-Americans after the Civil War, after they ended slavery, was equally as bad as what happened to them during slavery. But nonetheless, it was a high point in American history. And I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that it's interesting that we're in a year where we have our first black president and we're going to be looking at Abraham Lincoln who freed the slaves. So. Mm. To me, it means a lot. It you know it brings up the patriot in me, and I hope that it's it's a good movie. Me too. I'm despite everything that I'm afraid of and everything that I believe and I've come to believe, regret regrettably about Steven Spielberg, I would love to see him, um, you know, do something exceptional and uh, distinguish himself uh, in the way he did with Schindler's List. So, uh, except for those three mistakes that he made with Schindler's List, which are one, um, the little girl in the red coat amongst the black and white, um, uh, um, Liam Neeson uh, uh, crying at the end, I didn't do enough, right. and three, that was the, and worst three part. the uh the survivors paying tribute in Israel, uh, which I thought was. Uh, didn't have integrity. I thought he was reaching and looking for, for emotionality when he didn't need to. But otherwise, it's a very, very honorable film. I agree with those three things except the girl in the red raincoat because I thought that was really a wonderful moment in the film. Maybe one of the most memorable. Um, and it also fits nicely into cinema history where there are a lot of scenes of girls in red raincoats. Okay. And um, Don't Look Now being one of them. Yeah. But... I thought it was a beautiful moment in cinema. He never fails cinematically, never. 
but to me, the the heavy-handed Liam Neeson thing at the end was not necessary. I understand the point because he's right in a way. It was such a huge war, and so many people died. And to just have saved a few, you know, when you really look at it. But I don't think he needed the. We we got the enormity of it. You know, we didn't need that part. You know, I'm I'm pretty much of an easy lay when it comes to historical films because I was so turned on by one shot, one shot in uh, a dangerous method, which was a shot of downtown Manhattan from a ferry that Sigmund Freud and um, why am I blanking on, on the uh, uh, oh God. the other guy <laughs> what's his name Sigmund no. Freud and yes thank you Carl Jung. Carl Jung, sorry. And I thought it was just a great shot of Lower Manhattan. It made, it made it feel real, and I would love to see, apart from whatever the narrative delivers and Daniel Day-Lewis delivers, I would love to see uh, atmospheric renderings in a really believable way of 1864 and 1865 Washington. That, that would be so great if they could invest a little time and effort into that. To really, I just think that atmosphere is, it can be a wonderful thing with the, the CG tools that we, we have, and I would love, love to be able to feel like it's a real trip in that direction. So I hope that happens. Yeah. I hope it doesn't get attacked by the PC police. That'll bother me a lot, but, you know, I, I think that, that – uh, it's going to it's going to depend on how he portrays the african americans depending you know mm-hmm. whether people will think he goes too far if he makes them too noble and too good and too you know that was the problem i, I don't think there are any african americans in this film other than frederick douglas right isn't it all politicians and oh well no there have to be because no it can't just be all about white people I'm just talking about people who are in uh, in the crucial. Uh, I know, obviously, Frederick Douglass is a is a major voice and a man of great character and conscience. But there has to be. It's about. It's not about people who are on the lower end of the society. It's about. It's not about them, the- but I'm, I'm sure Spielberg will put them in. I haven't okay. read the script, so I don't know. I'd love to read the script, but uh, I don't know if it's even floating around. Do you? I don't think it is. I tried to find it a long, long time ago. And um, I know some people who have fed me things who are in that agency uh, uh, club where they, you know, they can get copies or their friends have them. I never got a a copy. I never could find it. Yeah, I think they're keeping such a tight lid on it. So uh, your book group is you're saying it's book. Uh, it's a guy book group or that you're the only woman in or you're no, a, I, a woman book group? <laughs> it's not a book group. It's just we started it as an online thing. You know, we did a giveaway. We gave away five books and we just started reading Team of Rivals and we're going to, you know, check in and talk about it um, every Monday. I've only gotten okay. 100 pages in so far, so I'm not too far into it, but it's 900 page book. <laughs> so, it's, so you're basically going to be in a chat room and just uh, weigh in about it. I'll on, just do a on, post on the, about it, and people write comments. Whoever wants to talk about it, you know. Yeah. Okay. Um, good. And we'll be doing well, four more books before the year is out. So. All right. Mm. Yeah. All right. Anything uh, uh, significant in the indie realm, uh, Phil, that you think might occur in August? Now that we're about to begin that month, anything that uh, looks like it might pop out uh, in a smaller. Are you there, Phil? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Yeah. Um, Maybe Celeste and Jesse Forever. I mean, that's, you know, you got Andy Samberg in it. Um, I hear that's awful. That's I, awful. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I mean, I'm just, um, other than that. This is a couple that break up and then they kind of realize uh, gradually, much too slowly from what I, I have heard, that they shouldn't have broken up and they're going to get back together again. Right. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's the basic premise, yeah. Mm. How is Beast of the Southern Wild doing box office? Uh, just kind of okay. Wait, let me, um, I don't have it in front of me. Give me a sec here. I can really hear those keys. (laughs) (laughs) That's how yours sounded. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hold on one second. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I mean, 4.2 million it's up to, which is... Meh, that's you know. After five weeks, I, I don't think it's really catching on. Um, you know, no, no real surprise there. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, probably soon though. I'm going to catch up with it. All right. Um, so yeah. Well, I heard a friend of mine say 
that he lives out in Arizona, and he said he was going to the movies, and he overheard that they were applauding at the end of Beasts of the Southern Wild. And so I tweeted that. I tweeted that. <laughs> and a whole bunch of people tweeted back and said, well, not a whole bunch, but a few. Yeah, same thing happened with me. Same thing happened with me. You know, like, I guess it's getting applause at all the uh, uh, screenings. So hmm. that's something to note. That might signal some strong word of mouth, so, so the box office might get a little bit better. Okay. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I mean, I, we can get a lot of other things, but let's let's not uh, go too long. We'll just, you know, talk next week. All right. And we'll we'll try for Sunday. If we can't, we'll do it Monday. Okay, guys. Good, guys. All right. Again. Nice talking Thanks to you. Soon. All right. Be well. Okay. You too. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to episode eighty-six of Oscar Poker with Jeffrey Wells from HollywoodElsewhere.com. Sasha Stone from awardsdaily.com and Phil Contrino from boxoffice.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Oscar Podcast. And the bumper music was Dead Wrong by Hani El Khatib and Stubborn Love by the Lumineers. Thanks for listening.
Yeah.